Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com, and I am your host. Each week, we learn the story behind that vanity plate. The one you saw driving down the road? What did it say? What did it mean? Why did they choose it? This week, we meet Melanie Alberts and learn the story of how a license plate led her to her forever love. Melanie experienced a series of seemingly disconnected events, which in hindsight were actually breadcrumbs leading her to meet her husband of now over 20 years. Melanie shares this story, a perfect addition to our Sex, Love, and Marriage Month. Melanie is accredited by the Spiritualist National Union International in demonstrating mediumship and public speaking. She focuses on psychic and spirit art. She created the psychic art technique, the colors of your question, in order to gain clarity on a life question using colors chosen by her pendulum. Her podcast, Psychic Playdate, captures the fun and creative side of our psychic natures. Currently experimenting with the photo transfer technique covered in this episode, Melanie invites you to contact her for a private sitting through her Facebook page or website. And stay tuned to the end of this episode because Melanie will share how you can find your next significant relationship in love, life, or business. If you want to experience Melanie's art as part of this episode, you can access the video via the iwokeupawesome.com blog. Now, let's go meet Melanie and hear her license plate love story. Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm so excited to have our guest this week, but I have to give you a little preamble before we start. So I have this very strict rule. You can only be on my podcast if you have a current vanity plate on your car. But I have this thing I do, it's called Ready, Fire, Aim, where I just sort of Start in with the process and then I'll figure it out and fix up the mess as we go. And usually it works really well, including this time, because I decided to do a sex, love, and marriage theme, and I didn't have enough episodes to make the theme work for all of July. So I reached out to the internet because that's where you find all the answers these days. And I said, this is what I'm looking for. And my guest today said, I can help you with that although I don't quite fit the criteria. I said, well, let's talk about it. And as soon as I got to talking to Melanie, today's guest, I said, that's it. I'm breaking my rule. And we're having her on because I can't wait to share her story. So I have Melanie Alberts from Austin, Texas. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm glad you're bending your rules for me. You're an exception to the rule. How cool is that? Story of my life. <laughs> that does not surprise me. So the vanity plate is CMA2. It's actually a Virginia plate. It's a retired plate. Tell us the story about it. Well, mine is a love story based on initially being attracted to that plate. Now behind me, for the listeners that can view this on YouTube, I'm going to be flashing up some images. And the one I have here is a 50 year old vanity plate that I had when I was a seven year old on my bicycle. It says Melanie, Connecticut. Now <laughs> I, I was raised by a family who moved a lot and we were homeless at one time. It wasn't the best upbringing. And one of the things I've always wanted in my life was tradition. I always valued solidity, tradition, classic styles. 
and I kind of glommed on to monograms and I had as a teenager monogram sweaters they cost a lot of money but I love them and I thought wow when I get a car my vanity plate is going to be my initials which were M C Z now that didn't happen my gift to the world was waiting until 25 to start driving and my <laughs> first car was kind of an old beater in my fantasy world i was driving a poppy red vintage mustang convertible of course but i didn't have much money i was just starting out and i couldn't afford a vanity plate i did move to charlottesville virginia and i was engaged at this time to my fiance living in town I was driving around and I remember distinctly seeing this plate with CMA2 on it as I drove around my neighborhood. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I wonder who that person is. I mean, it's not like a, a funny plate or anything trendy or eye-catching, but it caught right. my eye. Yeah. Because, hey, there are two or, two of my initials and the number two, which was my favorite number. And I was like, mm. wow, I wonder if number two means his second car. I wonder if it's his birthday. And at the same time, I had read a newspaper article about a young man whose apartment burned down in an apartment complex. And I remember looking at the paper and zeroing in on his photograph and it said that he was from Manchester, England. And I heard a voice in my head say, he needs your help. Mm. Now, I have been getting psychic messages my entire life, but this one was so distinct and the voice was so sure. So I just, okay, I'll, I'll see if I can find out who this guy is. Yeah. I was working at a furniture store and my uh, associate manager was helping this young man. And he said, you know, this poor guy, he lost all his furniture in, a, in an apartment fire. I was like, oh, really? And I looked at him and he was this big, solidly built young man, very mature looking, you know, with his hands behind his back and he's wandering around looking at furniture, appraising things. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> he looks, he looks pretty good. You know, he looks like he's, he's doing fine. And I didn't worry about it. So to make a, a very sad story short my i did get married to my first husband we were separated about two years later and during my separation i had made a new friend and this friend got hired by this young man from england and she said well you know you've got to meet him he's so funny i think you'd really like him and we did in fact meet at a christmas party in december we had our first date in January, we got engaged on Valentine's Day. Wow. We moved in together the next month in March. He met my parents in April and we <laughs> eloped in May. Wow. And we've been together for uh, almost 25 years. Oh, I love this story. It's just so romantic and it's almost like it was meant to be. Oh, I know. And when we moved in together, he had a box of license plates <laughs> and you can imagine my heart fluttering there it is and when i pulled out this you really this is you and obviously it came to light that he was also the young man whose apartment burned down and it wow. felt to me that we were fated to meet and there were so many significant things that happened 
that led up to us meeting. That's very cool. Now tell me a little about your first date. Oh, sure. It was quite a quick, that means the first date must have been pretty good if everything sort of spiraled to happily ever after from there. <laughs> we were talking about our first date because I, I asked him some questions. I said, you know, I'm going to be talking to, uh, to a podcaster about us. He said, you know, and I said, we were, you know, we have the same shared values. And do you remember? And we're having that conversation. He's like, no, it just happened organically. And I said, well, I remember <laughs> our first date. We talked about religion. We talked about politics. We talked about food. At the time, I was a vegetarian, and he totally was a meat and potatoes guy. We had the same political values, and it was a pretty intense first date. And we ended up holding hands and, and looking into each other's eyes. And he said, you know, I just looked into your eyes and just saw this depth. And you know, wow. it's just really romantic. And, and he still kids me about me taking the um, leftover pizza home. Uh-huh. <laughs> you never forget yeah. the first date. It's it's the beginning of the story. Oh, I, well, I remember so much about us getting together. You know, I remember hearing that voice in my head and seeing his license plate and, you know, yeah. seeing him way before we even knew each other. And so it, it just, it just felt right. Yeah. It's like you got together before you actually got together. Right. right. Yeah, because that's really important. Yeah, because when you shared uh, the story with me, the brief version in our pre-conversation, you were saying that that shared values was super important to you. He was the home I was looking for. Mm, that's beautiful. You said you moved around a lot as a kid. Do you know how many times you moved? Oh, I went to about 12 different schools mm, okay. and we, we moved around more than that. It was, it was disruptive. You know, and like I said, yeah. we were homeless at one point mm. and we had to rely on charity and, you know, it was, it was difficult, but we, we stayed together as a family unit. And one of the things that I had, uh, as a child growing up were these experiences, uh, that I can talk about now. I almost died as a toddler wow. and I had an out of body experience when I was four under anesthesia. Wow. I remember looking down on my body being operated on and seeing the doctor and the nurse and they're working. It was just stitches on my lip. So it wasn't like a, a huge operation or anything, yeah. but they had put me out to do it. And I remember going home and telling my mother this and she's like, stop making things up. You're always making things up. And you know, everything was just kind of like, don't talk about this kind of thing. You shouldn't talk about it. But I was very fascinated with seeing ghosts and things like that. I was like, oh, please, God, let me see ghosts. And <laughs> I didn't see ghosts. What I saw- Those instead, kids are the opposite, by the way. Yeah. Like, oh, I hope there are no ghosts, no monsters under my I, bed, nothing in the closet. <laughs> I know. I, I wanted to see the materialize as, you know, the ghost in the foot of my bed, but that didn't happen. What happened instead was I saw the faces of people in my mind's eye. And I created stories about them and I eventually drew them. My older sister taught me how to draw and I would just want to draw these faces. And so one of the things that kept me sane moving to all these different schools was drawing. And I would just intently draw. And sometimes a teacher would come over. Of course, people were interested in what you're doing. Sure. And, and they might say, oh, that looks like my grandfather. or That looks like somebody I know. Mm. And I always thought, well, that's just a coincidence. 
And it wasn't until I started studying mediumship as an adult that I realized I was drawing spirit people. Wow. <laughs> or psychically linking to people and drawing people. And I was also a writer and I would love making up stories and creating stories. I remember one story I wrote was about a young man in Vietnam in ninth grade. And my teacher, who was a young graduate, just new graduate student, uh, said, this reminds me so much of my friend who died in Vietnam. Oh my goodness. She, she kept my story. So you said this kind of started when you were a kid. It doesn't sound like there were other people in your family, like your mother, grandmother, etc., that had this, what you hear. My grandmother told me when I was six that she saw the ghost of her mother. Okay. And I think that was one of the things that I was like, oh, I really want to see ghosts. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she would read our fortunes from playing cards mm. and, you know, but this was all on the hush hush. Mm-hmm. You know, we were raised okay. Roman Catholic. Mm. My, my father had books on reincarnation oh, wow. and he had to hide them from his mother. You know, he just, oh, it was goodness. just all very shush, shush, you know, it's very, you know, don't talk about this kind of thing. Yeah. And I would grow up knowing things about people and having these experiences. And my sister that I shared a bedroom with and I would listen to self-hypnosis tapes and, and meditate and do things like that. And, you know, we, we grew up with this fascination. Wow. And so did you hone it your whole life or did you? I didn't until uh, after 9-11. I had a premonition of 9-11 and that just kind of woke me up thinking, you know, I really need to figure what's going on here. I really need to figure this. I need to, to harness this ability to know things to and so I looked into studying psychic arts and, and remote viewing. I studied mediumship online and that's when I took a spirit portrait class and I drew this young man. It's not a very good drawing. It's okay, just a yeah. sketch but I got information about him. And this was in a chat room with people from all around the world who I did not know. He was, had these big brown eyes. His name was Nikki. The person who knew him, maybe sat for him. He died as a teenager. And this woman raised her hand and said, yeah, I can take all that information. And she saw the picture and said, yeah, that looks like him. I I knew him when he was a little older. This is probably when he was about uh, four or five. Mm -hmm. And she understood him. And in some cases, I was able to get uh, photographs to compare. And I did this one with a woman. And all the the pictures that I'm showing here, I do have permission from the owners to show. Let me just uh, interrupt you for one second. uh So if you're listening to this on the audio version then you would definitely want to go check out the video version as well because everybody we're talking about is back behind Melanie while we're talking about them. So you just get this beautiful like illustration of our conversation. So don't miss that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so this is a portrait, another medium, and I did a demonstration online drawing spirit portraits. She would link and I would draw. And we were just doing a little, you know, pre, you know, dress rehearsal on Zoom. And I just started drawing and I just, you know, did what I usually do. And she said, that looks like my grandmother. <laughs> It's like, oh, really? And she sent me a photograph of her grandmother, and sure enough, oops, there you have it. Wow. And then um, I did this one with a gentleman who was the father of a sitter. 
and got the information. Not just, you know, you can't just get the likeness of somebody. You have to be able to get evidence, their information about their lives, their yeah. relationship, names, illnesses, occupations, things like that. And so it all kind of has to line up. And when I'm tuning in to someone's ancestors or themselves with their permission, I am getting information symbolically sometimes. For instance, I might see my own father and say, okay, this is, this is your father. Mm. Or I might see a great aunt that I loved. Okay, this is, this is going to be an aunt uh, on your father's side because I see my father as well. Mm. Or I might see street signs. This, this happened with somebody with, with the name on it. I said, you'll understand this name. And she said, oh yeah, but it didn't have anything to do with living on that street. It had to right. be um, a mother's maiden name. Now I have to ask you, uh, cause something just occurred to me. I'm thinking about sketch artists who do things for like, you know, a crime. Can you compare and contrast those two things between well, what you're doing and what they're doing? The police station is probably going to be going off directly what the witness says. And they have books and they have different ways. And I think nowadays they actually do this on computer. And oh, sure, yeah. To, to bring up face shapes. Okay, this guy had a round face shape and he was 300 pounds and he had you know, blue eyes. And, you know, you have to okay. go through that. And I, I really doubt that they're going to be doing psychic art. So they're probably not gleaning anything intuitively. They're just good at drawing a nose that has a bump in it with large right, nostrils. Right. That's great. I'm glad I asked. So you have done a lot of this psychic art and you do it now as an actual reading for people now that you've learned how to do it. But I have to ask, can anybody learn how to do this? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think everyone is psychic and everyone should try to practice drawing in any kind of art form. Anybody can draw. I mean, I, I didn't consider myself an artist. I still don't really consider myself an artist. I'm, I'm more of a cartoonist. <laughs> I don't really do <laughs> fine art, but you can learn. You can certainly learn. One of my mentors, Coral Ryder, her first spirit portrait was, you know, just very simple, very plain, you know, nothing special about it. But she, she took lessons and she taught herself and she's now a really decent artist. So anybody can do this. And one of the things that I, I like teaching people is the orograph, uh, what I also call a clair circle, which is tuning into them psychically and drawing aspects of, of their lives. And this is a clair circle behind me. Uh, mm -hmm, it's beautiful. It, it's actually, thank you. It's actually a clear circle for myself. It uh, shows Bear, who was, was he, he was a large, um, I guess, husky mix dog who belonged to my first mother-in-law. And he went missing. A few days later, I was sitting at the dining room table, just looking out the window. And suddenly, I felt my consciousness being pulled out of my body, hurtling through the woods between the trees like this, you know, very fast and finding myself, my consciousness about 20 feet over bear's body in the woods. Oh my goodness. Aww. And I, it, my consciousness was, I, I still was able to think, you know, I was thinking, oh, this is weird. A better I better know where this is and just remember where this is. And my vision kind of went down like a camera. Doo, doo, doo. 
to his mouth and I saw his mouth was foaming. I'm like, oh, there's dead. And, and I got information as well that he was poisoned by neighbors. And as oh soon as gosh. I was assembling all this, zap, I was back in my body. Wow. And so I had this out-of-body experience, which was really remarkable. And I felt I was guided by their spirit to see where he was so we could bury his body. Oh my goodness. I'm quite an animal lover. So that's a very, very sad story for me. I think it, it also I mean, proves that yeah, oh, of his course. spirit and my spirit, we were, we were very connected. We, yeah. were we were, we were pretty much one and the same going through the woods, like, like an animal, yeah, like an animal with trees. Yeah. yeah. And, and then hovering 20 feet above the body, it, it was just really shocking. And so when I described this to my uh, first husband and his mother, they were just sort of like wide-eyed, mm -hmm. but they were also familiar with parapsychology. His dad was a parapsychologist and okay. my, my mother-in-law was like, oh, I always, I always knew there was this energy in, in this, on this property and that kind of thing. And we did find Bear's body exactly where I had seen it and we okay. buried him. Wow. And you guys did an autopsy to find out that he was... We didn't do an autopsy. Poisoned? Oh, okay. No, we didn't do an autopsy. But you got that from him? I got that information mm. from that spiritual experience, wow. that connection. Wow. Um, so what, so what yeah, I do now is I am, I am practicing and experimenting with this process that's called a photo transfer process. And here is a example of that for somebody, uh, a psychic reading that somebody sent me a photograph of herself and I painted using colors chosen by my pendulum and created a painting upon which I would put the photo transfer. So I make a photocopy of the picture and then peel away the layers of the paper to show this image. And while I'm rubbing the pages away and I'm, I'm doodling in the picture, I'm getting information to help this person, maybe with a life question, or, or if they just want some information about something, and I help intuit the answers to that question. Wow. And this is an example of that. And so they give you a picture, mm -hmm. and it could be a picture of them? What's it? This is one with uh, the sitter, and she wanted some information, and I was able to do that and create a work of art. Yeah, And then you can also uh, use a picture of somebody who's passed. And this is one uh, I did recently of someone, the sitter sent me the, the photograph and she lives in Germany. She sent me the photograph and I got it in the middle of the night. I opened it. I opened up the email and I read it. I was like, oh, cool. She wants me to do a spirit portrait, not a psychic one. I didn't open the picture. When I closed my eyes, I saw this drawing in my mind's eye and I saw the profile of a young man with a very kind of long nose and a strong chin wearing a cap and when I woke up in the morning and opened up the photograph I saw this guy mm -hmm. I thought yeah okay that's who this is and wow. I got information about him and the relationship and a message for her and she was like well oh, it's really it's really amazing it's, it's so accurate and he was also giving her information about what she's doing now and he's with her and it's just it's just a really wonderful experience and and it's an experience that i enjoy as well i you know usually spend a few days on these 
readings and drawings. Mm -hmm. And, it's, and I, sometimes, like I said, I get some information in dreams and most of the information I get is while I'm working on the painting. So just to kind of clarify, you do these Claire circles and then you do these um, photo transfers. Right. The photo transfer is what I'm working on uh, exclusively now. Okay. Is, got I, it. I like to focus on things. Uh, okay. And, and then move on. <laughs> cool. So, so the photo transfer, somebody wants to know something they have, a, it, it's either about themselves or someone who's deceased. Is that right? Right. Right. And they, I don't do it for somebody like, like if somebody wants information about an ex-husband who's still living. So if someone wants to work with you, they have information they want and either a picture of themselves or a picture of the person who's deceased. Do you have any advice for choosing the picture? Any advice for choosing the question? What would I do to prep if I wanted to oh, hire you? Sure. Uh, a, a photograph that's emotionally charged is usually the best photograph. Okay, good. For instance, I did a reading for someone and she had a question about horses. And so the photograph she sent me was a picture of herself and a horse. And that, that was like perfect. You know, I knew the question. We were able to, you know, get the question pretty specific, more specific. Yeah, I do have a question, it has to be pretty specific. Okay. And an emotionally charged photograph. Awesome. This is very cool. I love the take on it because, you know, I do believe everything is energy and I do believe there's information out there that we can get ourselves and guide ourselves with, whether you call it a gut feeling or the voice in your head that doesn't sound quite like you. You know, I think we get messages and, and guideposts, but I've never seen this particular combination of like photo, art, and uh, psychic reading. How did this all come to be? Oh, sure. You know, spirit art has been around for centuries. And, uh, you know, Harold Sharp uh, was considered the originator of the orograph, and he was a journalist in England uh, in the mid 20th century. And he would be on the phone with somebody and start doodling and getting information about that person. And he started creating what he called an orograph, which is a psychic reading of someone's soul. He was not an artist. He just doodled and he had a uh, guide who helped him get this information. And he would have a sitting with somebody, they would come in and they would be just sitting there and he would be doodling and painting. And at the end, they would receive a, a small uh, circle sort of like this with abstract designs on it. Mm -hmm. I love one this one. Own. Oh, it's thank beautiful. you. This is one of my own. So how would someone, if someone was intrigued by this and thought, boy, this is something I'd love to learn, uh, what would they do to get started to learn the process of uh, psychic art and photo transfer? Mm. Well, there are classes out there. I did take an online class several years ago and it was an introduction to the orograph. I also took uh, spirit art classes online through the Spiritualist National Union. It's snui.org. I also teach. I'm happy to mentor people one-on-one. -on -one. What if I don't want to learn how to do this, but I would want a reading? So people can contact you to do oh, that? Sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah, either through my Facebook page or my website. There mm -hmm. are ways to contact me there. Okay, great. And we'll have all that information in the show notes so people can, can contact you that way if they'd like. And you also have a podcast. Tell us about your podcast. 
Yeah, I do. It's called Psychic Playdate. Playdate podcast is my attempt at creating the podcast I wish was out there. <laughs> so many oh, yeah. podcasts on the paranormal or psychics all focus on the, the spooky and the creepy. And I wanted to focus on how fun it is and how anybody can do this kind of work. And I, I try to show, you know, people's stories and how they come into their psychic awareness and we sometimes do an exchange or uh, past couple of ones I've had people who authored books and uh, we talk about that. So it's, it's very lighthearted. I love it. That sounds so, so fun. So I wanted to go back to something that you talked about way in the beginning, which is that you sort of were guided toward your perfect mate. You saw this plate, it kind of stuck with you. You learned about this guy who'd been in a fire, it kind of stuck with you. And then the next thing you know, you know, you've been happily married for 20 years. But you have psychic abilities, you have medium abilities, but there are so many people who would love to find their perfect mate. How can you channel that perfect person into your life? Or would they have to have special powers and... I don't think you need special powers. You just need to be observant. Okay. You need to recognize the signs. Okay. Give us some advice. So (laughs) in all my substantial relationships, I had premonitions or foreshadowing, I guess is a better way to put it, foreshadowing of who I was going to meet. And that person always turned out to be very significant. And sometimes you have to just be curious and pay attention to things that make your spine tingle. Mm. Things that make you stand up straight and go, that's weird. Like the voice I heard with the picture in the newspaper. I've got to be curious about it. You have to pay attention to the signs. You have to pay attention and make the connections. If you keep dreaming about a certain place, Go to that place. Try to find that place. If you keep hearing a name of somebody, try to find out who that person is. And when you actually meet them, there's going to be a connection. And I just say, be curious and watch for the signs. And the the image behind me is a feather transfer I did of signs. Mm -hmm. Feathers are very important. Pennies, uh, sometimes dimes, people see these when they're thinking about uh, someone who's passed and suddenly they'll be walking across the street and there's a shiny dime, or they'll be walking somewhere in the middle of the house. And then there's a feather on the, where does this feather come from? You know, and it makes you think about that person and hopefully give you the feeling that they are watching over you. They sent the sign for you to let them know, to let you know they're thinking of you. That's lovely. And I love that piece. I, I saw that on your Facebook page and uh, it's lovely. And these are all, these are all card sized paintings. They're, they're not very big. I, I like to work in a small kind of format. Yeah, it's beautiful. We get a lot of information though, throughout the day. We just get signs and so much information. It can be overwhelming if you start to tune in. Is that something or is that nothing? What does that mean? Is that something or is that nothing? So can you, right, right. can you kind of give us any advice on how to pull back the curtain a little bit and sort so that you don't just become 
overwhelmed and distracted by all those signs. You know, I don't, I don't ever think of myself as being overwhelmed by this. You have to set boundaries. And if you're a normally a person who sets boundaries, that's great. If not, that's an, a very important thing you need to do because this kind of thing happens 24-7. I never feel overwhelmed. And, and if you do, there's, it's always good to, to ground, to go outside, uh, to drink water, to walk in the grass, to stick your feet in water, or, you know, to sometimes having crystals or stones that help ground you is, is really helpful. Whether or not you believe in this or not, it's something to try. And a lot of times I just I just love exercising. That helps ground me. It helps put me in my body. Exercising, eh? Exercising. <laughs> yeah, it's really helpful. I love hula hooping. Hula hooping is really oh, good. I'll I have probably... a friend that does classes on that. She's a yeah. hula hoop instructor for fitness. It's, it's great. Yeah, I have a, a hula hoop I made myself. It's big. And it's heavy. And it's perfect adult size hula hoop. I can go 45 minutes and just Oh my gosh, you're kidding me. Oh, no. It's, it's wonderful. That's a, I love it. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I could talk to you for hours. Um, oh, thank you. But I do want to do what we always do at the end, which is to turn the tables and see, do you have one question you'd like to ask me? So please tell me about a psychic experience that you yourself have experienced. So I, I don't know of one off the top of my head, but I, what I will share is an experience I had when I was learning how to uh, perform Reiki. Will you accept that as an alternate answer? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. So when you do the process of learning how to perform a Reiki treatment, Reiki is just moving and shifting energy and clearing. And I had to be an apprentice to get my little certificate. And so I was looking for volunteers that I could do Reiki treatment on. In the first one, he said that his chest felt like it was spewing darkness, like dark matter, dark energy, pain, suffering, like the whole center of his, his chest was like just spewing. He's like, I felt really badly for you because, you know, a Reiki person tends to feel and experience what they're dislodging. And what's interesting is that I remembered what I was feeling during the place that they mentioned. I was like bored. I had no interest. I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? My back hurt a little. My feet hurt. I was like, can I be done? I was so apathetic Oh, in that moment. I was annoyed at having to be there. I was bored. I had zero interest. What I realized with the woman that was training me is that that was sort of my defense mechanism. It was like my natural defenses against all that icky stuff, all the darkness. I actually went the opposite of feeling <laughs> to being apathetic and unfeeling. So I just want to thank you so much, Melanie, for being on Trista's Plate Story podcast. Thank oh, you so, so much. much. It was so much fun. Yay. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story podcast. Please subscribe to Trista's Plate Story podcast to get the story behind all those vanity plates driving with you on the road. And if you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, 
or visit any of our partners and sponsors, come and see us at platestory.com. That's P-L number eight story.com and give us the details. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and give us a share. I'm Trista Polo wishing you well on the road to your next adventure.